the customer doesn't go on that journey with you. The customer is not interested in how you got from A to B. The customer is just interested in how delicious B is. And that's all they care about. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. During the 90s and early 2000s, the UK was considered a rite of passage for chefs all over the world looking to cut their teeth in the hospitality sector. It was an era that changed British cuisine, and few had the impact on the next generation quite like today's guest. Phil Howard is one of the United Kingdom's most influential chefs and restaurateurs. Phil, how are you? Yeah, I'm fantastic, thanks. Great to be here. It's really good to get you on the show. You've had such an incredible influence over many decades. Um, What's it feel like to sort of have that impact on so many chefs from so many countries around the world? I've know it's it, you know it, it, it's it's funny to to hear it you know now in my kind of autumn possibly even my winter my winter here winter years you know where life has changed quite a lot what I do has changed quite a lot um, but at the end of the day it was kind of you know it was those twenty five years at the square that really that that's really what we're kind of t- talking about and and it was also actually we somehow I don't I can't quite remember what the the the, or the source of it was but we had a really big rapport with Australia and. Um, I had, you know, over over quite a long period of time, there was just a constant, um, you know, just trickle of, of guys coming into the kitchen and girls, obviously, and um, and over a long period of time, we did, we did, we did, we did have a big impact. And I didn't, I don't know, it's 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 difficult, you know. I'm, I'm, not, you know, I am not. Um, a remarkable chef in the sense that you know the Gordon Ramsay of this world. I don't, you know, I, I just turn up. I just turned up to work every day. Worked really hard. Um, we cook, we cook, cook great food. I think I probably led from the front. That was that. That's probably what's really stood me instead. You know, for all those years, I was just. It was the restaurant was open seven days a week. I obviously, wasn't there seven days a week. But I, I, I just worked incredibly hard for a long period of time. With and the motives were all positive to, to get in there, cook great food, have a good time take a team of people on a great crusade and and hopefully enjoy the journey and and I think an awful lot of people came jumped on that ship um, and did did exactly that cooked cooked their hearts out it was a super demanding kitchen from a kind of workload point of view um, I had a head chef who was a who was a who was a real task hard taskmaster but a lot of people left um, uh, even if they'd come with bundles of talent, they left as great chefs and went on to to um, to do good things. And I think we also cooked proper food. You know, my my food has always been the primary purpose has always been to give pleasure. That's it. And um, and I think that served people incredibly well. Um, you know, particularly coming back to. Yeah, it's always so important when people come to work in a restaurant like the Square to think about where they're going to where, where they're going back to. Where do they think they're going to end up? Who's going to be their audience? And if they're going to go back to you know, some sophisticated, you know, arrondissement in Paris and try and get three stars, well, then you can do what you want. But most people end up going back home, if that's indeed what they do, to cook for quite normal folk who ultimately need to be fed and given some pleasure, not 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 challenged and, and, and the rest of it. So I think we, you know, we, we cooked... We cooked food that did that. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Australia because we've had quite a few guests on, you know, renowned Australian chefs that have spoken of the influence that you had on them. During that, those sort of years that the square was just such a force in British cuisine, was, was mentoring something that you were sort of 
like thinking about all the time or was it just a focus of sort of the standards? No, I think this, we're all different as human beings. And um, I think ultimately, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I think I'm quite, I'm an approachable bloke. I'm a, I'm a quite a warm bloke. I'm, I'm tuned into other people. I'm quite easygoing. Um, I work hard. I was in the kitchen a lot. And I look at people eye to eye. I'm, I was never, never saw myself as, 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 as senior to anybody, if you know what I mean. So I, th- I think, I think that kind of, you know, we're all just at the end of the day, you're all in the same stainless steel box, fighting the same battle day in day out, and there's no, there's no need to, 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 to feel superior to anybody. So, so I think that enabled me to kind of connect with people in a way that perhaps your your your, your, your traditional, you know lofty two three star chefs can sometimes be these kind of untouchables and 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 i think that creates a different kind of different rapport between between them and the team it's not a, it's not a, it's not, a, it's not a, that's not a criticism it's just a difference these days you're doing so many things you obviously on the television a lot but you have a couple of restaurants your partners with many restaurants as well um how, how do you manage all of these different aspects of your career no, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's become, it's, you know, it's a little bit of a struggle. I'm just at a point now where I'm trying to kind of consolidate a bit. You know, ultimately, over the years, great people have, have you know, a handful of, well, lots of fantastic people have come out of, out of, out of the kitchens that I've worked in and, and, and obviously in the most part of the square. But every now and then somebody, you really think, oh, there's somebody who's outstanding. Someone like Brett, for example, at the Ledbury, you know, and so you then, you know, you know, we, we, my partner and I backed him, and then you know, a couple of others over the line over, over the years. Ben Marks, at, uh, who's now at Perilla, is just a phenomenal cook, and so I've got my fingers in various pies through through those channels. But you know, some of those restaurants, um, you, 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 I'm involved with in the kind of the launch just to support, but really you're backing an individual rather than I've never opened another restaurant. What all the years I was at the Square. That was that was where I was. I've done. I've never put my name above the other door. I've always, if I've done anything, it's it's, it's really backed backed other people and 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 in the hope that they can go on and and fulfil their potential. How, how do you find that sort of person to back? Like, what's is there a criteria? Is it a gut feel? Like, what is what is it that you see in people? I think, and I think, in the most part, it's a, it's 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 a it's a gut feel. You've got to, you know, you know, as as a, you know, I'm backing. I, I'm a chef backing other chefs, so it's really food. It's food led, um, and so it's it's people who you think are just just great cooks, and um, that that's really re- really driven it. You know, dealing with the business side of it's a sort of a, 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 se- a separate issue, and. Um, but listen, it's not like I, I haven't done it a huge amount of it, but the other restaurants I'm involved with, you know, the Ledbury has obviously gone on to achieve phenomenal things um, that we all know, you know, huge amounts about. Um, and that's really th- through Brett's, you know, Brett's brilliance. Um, Kitchen WA is a restaurant I'm still very closely involved with. Um, but, you know, I put a chef in there who's just absolutely fantastic, been there for 15 years, never never left. and But really, you know, it's, 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 his, it's his gig now. That's kind of what I like to do most is, is, is to, is to, is to help in the, help in the launch and the funding and then, and then kind of take a back seat and if, if I'm needed, chip in to, chip in to, you know, help, help, help the bigger picture. I want to explore sort of what you're doing these days shortly in greater detail, but take us back to when you were young. What sort of role did food play for you growing up? 
God, you know, it's, it's, it's odd because, you know, I, I grew up in South Africa. Food in South Africa, certainly in those days, was, was, pretty, was, was pretty basic stuff. So it was not I – had, I had no upbringing where, where food was kind of the core of the family, lots of shit. You know, we were a tiny family. We'd, we'd, um, so it was – food was, really didn't play any significant role um, uh, in the early years. My mum was a great cook. Um, she just cooked lots of lovely fresh food. So we, in, you know, my brother and I enjoyed, enjoyed eating fresh food, but it was never this kind of, kind of touchy feely kind of family thing. It was dad went to work, mum cooked dinner. You know, we were two hungry boys. We sat down and ate and, and, and that was it. It was only really when I went to university where I, um, had to start to cook that I really connected with it. And that happened very quickly. And um, I don't really know wh- why, so to speak. But you know, when you, you know, I started cooking whatever, you know, whatever it was, student, student grub, nothing, nothing fancy. And um, but I knew, I knew immediately that it was going to become a really big part of life. You know, I didn't quite know where exactly what what that would, that would really mean. Um, but I knew, you know, I just I absolutely loved it from the from the start. And um, so I cooked cook through uni. By the time I left uni, I knew I wasn't destined to be a microbiologist. That was for sure, and um, and food had become a massive, you know, a massive thing. And I and I and I knew I knew it was going to play a big part in life. And that's what I then went travelling to Australia um, with a mate for a year and worked in a restaurant, um, actually at, in the in front of house. But it was at that point I thought, right, this is my place. This is where I feel. This is where I feel at home. And um, so the decision was taken to become a chef when I was uh, in Sydney and God, whatever it was, 1988, I guess. Wow. Uh, what restaurant was it and what was it like in Sydney at that time? Well, I was, I, you know, it, it was a restaurant called Zia Pina Pizzeria. It was the top of George Street um, up, in, up in the rocks. And, and uh, I don't know if it's still there, um, but it was just, it was next, I think it was one down from Rockpool. Um, and um, it was listen. It was it was, it was it was a simple thing. It was a pizzeria, but it, but it was good. And um, I just you know you know when you just connect with something, you just love the buzz, the energy, the the whole vibe. It's casual camaraderie, all that all that stuff. So I worked there for about four or five months, then left and went traveling. But I knew at that point that was it was while I was in Sydney working at that restaurant that I that I thought this is this is what I want to do. Um, so then when I finished traveling and got back to London, I then, you know, that's when I started trying to, you know, applying for, for jobs. Where did you get your foot in the door? I got my foot in the door at, um, with, with the Rue brothers who, you know, in those, in, yeah, well, in those days that was, they were a huge business. You know, they kind of, you know, the Gavroche and the Waterside were up and running. They had, you know, probably four or five other restaurants, um, that were, uh, that, sorry, that, that, that uh, in you know in london varying standards um but you know all good but some two star some one and um they also had you know they really struggled when they started uh started at the high end they struggled to get the ingredients that they wanted so they then started this big importing business you know they had they had to put the infrastructure in, in in to be able to support what they were trying to do they then had huge um uh, arm of the business that did contract catering for the big city banks and and the like, and that's actually where I got my first job was was working in a for a, for a fancy city bank um, where the Rue Restaurants Limited, as it was called then, was doing the was doing the catering. Um, 
so the start was was not in a restaurant, but it was you know it was a great it was great training. In those early years, what were the really important venues and people that you worked with that sort of helped open up the sort of career paths for you? Well, it was, it's interesting because I don't know whether you've read, but the Gavroche has just announced its closure in in uh, in, in January next year, and so you know I've, I, you know it it is ultimately it was it was the Rue brothers that. They were they were the, they were the pinnacle at the time. Then there were, there were you know there were a handful of other you know players. Nicola Dennis. There was Pierre Kaufman. There was um, Raymond Blanc was just starting out. Um, but it was really the, the the it was it was a very small group. There was a handful of other kind of restaurants in London that were okay. But the the, the new movement was really um, it was really about it was a, you know the Rue Brothers were the origin. I would say and. Um, the gene pool was 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 tiny, and and it was slow to kind of evolve. But it's but, but boy, it's obviously gathered massive momentum now. But in the in those days, great food was was thin on the ground in the UK, and 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 they, I think, were the kind of the start of the movement. They you know they 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 gave rise to a to, you know a new generation of chefs that kind of. Were, were were charged up and invigorated with what they were doing, and um, and then took took things forward. You worked with uh, Marco Pierre White and Simon Hopkinson as well. Do you have any stories of what it was like working with them and the influence they had? God, God, you know, it was it was a long a long time ago. I basically had three jobs before I opened the Square, and I, had, I spent a big year in, e- in each of them. I, had, I spent a big year with um, with with the Rue Brothers. I then went and ate at Harvey's, and I just thought, this is where I have to be. You know, it was just I'd never. It was one of those kind of big, you know, one of those big moments in life. Um, uh, obviously, food related. I just, I just by the time at the end of that meal, I was just you know completely blown away with. The, f- the food and the restaurant and the energy and the vibe and I thought this is just where I, I need to be um, so I, I I got a I got a got a job there he was you know that was it was probably in the big in the big scheme of things the kind of the some of the greatest greatest years of 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 his career because it was you know in, it was still quite early um, he had his he was had his two stars but he was he was you know he was on the mission he hadn't achieved his third star. He wasn't in a big fancy hotel yet. He was still absolutely gunning for it. And um, so I think it was probably the prime, the the prime years of of of, of Marco. And and listen, it was everything. He was he was the the most. I still never met anybody quite like him. He is the most phenomenal bloke. He is ex- he's extraordinary. He's a comp- when he wants to, you know when he you know he, he makes life so difficult. He's such a you know he can be such a prat when he wants to be. But it's all a byproduct of this of, of a drive for, for for perfection. But but certainly you know, I, I, you know he was he he was he was a, a madman to work for. But it was you know the, the sheer quality of the food, the artistry on the plate. You know my my food's never really been so much about artistry on a plate, but he was the first guy to put food on a plate and that, that I had seen and in the UK that, that was just so beautiful to look at and and his touch was just extraordinary and to be to be in such a tight team in, in a in a in a in a miserable little kitchen um with a handful of people and just see these plates of food going out over the past was 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 really special it really taught me what what could be achieved with not not a huge amount and um 
Uh, and he was, listen, he was the most inspiring man I've, I've ever worked alongside. He was the biggest dickhead when he wanted to be. He was, you know, he was, he was, you know, he's one of those guys who kind of, it, he, you know, he's a very emotional and, and, and actually a kind of a spiritual guy. And, and if you connect, it's, 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 it's special. And, and listen, I, I worked there for nine months and like everyone else, in, you know, in that kitchen, you, you, there's only one way out the door. It's a bit like a football manager. You get appointed and you, it's only a matter of time before you're going to get sacked. You know, that's the, that is the only, <laughs> that's the only way out. And, um, so I got, you know, it was one of those ridiculous services where everything was tits up. He'd, you know, sent half the kitchen to go and stand in the corner and I was left with him. I then fucked up. I was sacked. So it was kind of, that's, that was, that was the way out. And I was, I was absolutely furious. You know, you give, you give a hundred percent to those kind of people. And, and that was, yeah. that was, that was, you know, he asked, he asked a lot. Um, and you know, the hours worked and the, you know, the, it, it was a bit, you know, he asked a lot of you and I was, and I just was outraged that actually you kicked out the door. It was ridiculous. So, I mean, I, I actually called him up the next day and, and, and gave him both barrels just because I was at, it was just, well, it was just a, st- a stupid decision too. At the end of the day, I was an asset to the kitchen. What's the point in sacking? You know, it was just, it didn't make sense. Um, and so we then kind of, re- re- we know, I think he quite respected that because I'm not, a, I'm not a controversial or challenging human being. I'm a laid back bloke, but I was, I was so angry at what happened. I, I did, I did, I did challenge it. And um, so we then kind of reconnected and I, but I then went off and worked for Simon Hopkinson and, and um, it was a, it was later that he was then due to open his, his second restaurant um, which was going to be with his partner from Harvey's, a restaurant, you know, that was that that became the square in the end. So he called me back to, he said, listen, come back to Harvey's, I'll train you up, you be the head chef. So I went back to Harvey's and oh, it was just complicated and messy and to cut a long story short, he, you know, he sort of fell out with his partner um, and with me. And so I ended up in bed with his partner and we opened the square. So it was a slightly bizarre chain of events, but that's how, that's, that's how it, how it came about. But he was an impossible man, you know, because he's just impossible. People like that just are impossible. You know, you're one minute, you're your best of mates. We spent a lot of time fishing on the riverbank, which was great. Um, he was one of those people who, if you, when, when, there were times when you connected, it was just a, he was just a, he was just a really interesting he was a, he was a phenomenal guy tell us about life at the beginning of the square you you got it up and running what was it like for you creating a menu and having this business um was it challenging the first couple of years listen it was really challenging i think um the bottom line is i was grossly inexperienced for the for the job you know i had lots 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 going for me and i'd you know work hard and all the rest but i mean it was it was it was a big call from nigel my partner to to uh, to, to bring me in you know but he just done it purely on the basis that marco was the person that i'd um so i was the person that marco had 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 had, had decided to bring in you know but ultimately I was going to be executing Marco's food. So I was just going to be a doer rather than a creator. And, um, I, you know, I suppose I was, um, I was ridiculously inexperienced for, to, to be in the position. Um, and it took a long time to kind of learn this, to, 
to to learn the skills to, to to just to make life a bit easier. You know, I was in there, worked hard. We managed to rustle up a, an opening team. You know, looking back, they all worked. You know, the commitment they gave was just you know. I find it quite emotional thinking back to it, what they went through on that on that journey to just as a job. You know, it was, I was I was you know, I was in there as head chef. I had no you know I had no option really. They just came on the journey with and, but I suppose in those days London was a much smaller workplace. Um, I was there twenty four seven. It was great fun. We had a great time. It was exciting. It was kind of you know we 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 all worked like absolute lunatics but very much as a team um but it did take its toll in the end there's only so many hours you can work in a day there's only so much you can do there was i'd know you know i'd never i was at most a chef to party before the square so i had i'd never i'd never oh just systems you know the problem is when you're when you're inexperienced you don't and in the and constantly in the shit and 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 deprived of of time and all the rest of it you don't I never looked at how I could improve the way we did things because I hadn't just didn't have, didn't have the time, you know. And if you don't sit down and think about recruitment, you'll never find a chef. If you don't give it five minutes every day to get out there and recruit, you were, nobody's going to walk through the door. We, and so you know, we were understaffed for months, and oh, I don't know, you know, the whole thing was chaotic. But it was still, you know, but it was still great. It was what it was. It was epic. But I mean, it was there was a lot of learning that happened on the job. Two and a half decades is extraordinary for any restaurant in any country. But when when did you sort of find your feet and hit that sweet spot with your food and the restaurant and managing people and feel like you really had a handle of the square? I think it probably um, it was probably you know we we had we had I can't remember how long it was now we had five or six years in the original site and then we we basically relocated. And I would say, um, you know, and in in those early years, um, you know, we got the pace up and running. It was, you know, yeah, wildly chaotic and all of that. But at the end of the day, it was it was it was also hugely busy and and and, and successful. You know, as has been well documented, it was in those years where I had my I kind of I, I crashed and burned just through. You know, through the you know, there's a whole can of worms that doesn't need to be open. But you know, I. You, what was what was the cause and problem? Who know who knows? But at the end of the day, you know, I, I went on a personal journey that that took its toll. Thankfully, um, I found found I found 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 a new path. Um, got on top of things, and I suppose it was at that point. You know, I went in there as a young man, end up with this hideous drug problem. Got on top of it, and that change kind of coupled with a, with a with a relaunch of the restaurant really was where where i suppose it all came together suddenly you're um you take all of that darkness out of the equation um and felt completely kind of reinvigorated had a you know, had a, had a clarity had you know had kind of developed a style um uh, got a got a great team um around me and and all of a sudden it kind of it it really it really came together what sort of impacts did that sort of huge change and sort of saving of yourself have on your approach to cooking and your food and and managing stuff were you a very different person no i wouldn't say i was a very different person i think um 
I think uh, I I don't I don't think I don't think I, I I changed a huge amount through that. I think, but ultimately, life just became you know a whole lot more stable. You know, in in the process of of recovery, you just have a good you know, have a, you are forced to look how you how you operate as a human being as well as a as, as a head chef and a business partner and all the rest of it. And so, I suppose I improved the way I operated a, 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 across the board. But I also had a part. You know, my business partner Nigel was. Um, um, instrumental in in helping me evolve as a chef in the early days because he was he was also brutally honest about all aspects of the business but including the food and and it was really useful and I don't think many chefs have 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 it in have this relationship where you know, somebody is prepared to be as blunt as Nigel was, which listen, I didn't I didn't lap it up all the time and I didn't really appreciate it. But but equally he he helped me to see that, you know, us chefs we're we're chefy. We get on the process. We get off on the process of cooking, which is a great thing and it's a phenomenal thing and that's why we love it. But it's also the customer doesn't go on that journey with you. The customer is not interested in how you got from A to B. The customer is just interested in how delicious B is. And that's all they care about. They only get B and they maybe come to your restaurant once. They don't care about anything other than what's on that, you know, how much pleasure you're giving them through that plate of food that they're eating and their one shot in that in that restaurant. And Nigel was really good at helping me to see through all the chefy processes that we do. You know, we love building terrines, for example. You know, we love buying, getting these amazing ingredients, squashing them into a terrine, shoving it in a fridge for a couple of days, and then we get all excited about taking a slice off it because it looks so amazing. But actually, you've just you've just kind of compressed all these beautiful ingredients into a thing, and 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 it's just, of course, it works for some things, but it's not the most intelligent approach to 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 the ingredients that an awful lot of us choose to put in terrines. They'd be much better put made, built as a salad or something where you can get some seasoning and some life and some energy into the ingredients before you serve them. And so he, he really kept my kind of, not that I was ever nearly as cut, uh, sort of, uh, I, my, you know, I think anyone creative has an ego. There's no two ways about that, but I don't, I think mine was, was never as, 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 as big as, as, as some, but he really helped chip away at it and just say, just, just, just be real, you know, because so much of what we cooked was 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 so good. But when you when you get get caught it caught up in the process of trying to impress, you can get you can lose your way with with with, with the purity of what you of what you're trying to do. And um, so, you know, that going back to your question, that was really a big part of finding my way and um, and. And and coming up with the kind of you know the the the, the real value of 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 my, the real values that I like to approach to, to 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 my cooking. Tell us a little bit about your approach to cooking in regards to ingredients and the real sort of lightness that you also brought to to cookery during those couple of decades. What, I, you know, chefs don't really like signature dishes. They're a bit of a blessing and a curse. But is, is there some examples of that you can give us of your approach to cookery with some dishes? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think signature dishes, you know, they are, you know, they, 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 you, you know, we all end up with signature dishes, I think. And, um, but they are, you know, they, they come few and far between and they're not really, you know, they're chosen by the customer rather than the, um, rather than the, rather than the chef. But, I think 
a lot of really good cooks have, I think a lot of people, and out of those people, some of them are really good cooks, have complicated relationships with food and, and eating. I've got a really healthy relationship with food. I'm, I'm as greedy as the next person. I love eating. And I think that is a really important part of you just understand the simple pleasures in life. It, it's in the simple pleasures in food. It, I think it helps to um, ensure that your, your cooking is true. I'm so aware that as an eater, those moments in life where you put something in your mouth and you just think, shit, that's delicious. They don't happen that often. And they don't always happen in a fancy restaurant. It can be a, you know, it can be a chocolate bar at the petrol station. It can be a bowl of cereal with full fat milk and brown sugar. It can be a long steam with truffle. It can be a, you know, it can be a ribeye off the barbecue. It can be all sorts of different things. But when they are spot on, they, they knock your socks off. And it's always something simple. It's normally, you know, in, 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 in cooking terms, it's normally a beautiful piece of something solid, normally a protein dipped in a puddle of some epic puree or, or an amazing sauce. And, and that's it. It's kind of not much more than that. It's, but when those two things, when you get, when the whole is more than the sum of the parts, that's, that's special. And I think that's always been the backdrop to, to have approached food is first and foremost is seasonality that which has become obviously a much more commonplace now but but Simon Hopkinson was the was the chef who really in, helped to instill that in me seasonality, seasonality is everything produce that is local and in season is at its best at its most abundant at its cheapest I mean it's just a complete no-brainer and the other thing that's so special about seasonality is that if you if you are using ingredients from the same place same area same geographical area nature has this extraordinary way of producing a repertoire of ingredients in the same season that have that has a natural affinity with each other and um i don't you know it's not for me to try and get my head around that but i certainly i believe it's true you know salmon goes with watercress it doesn't go with parsnips and and grouse goes with elderberries it doesn't go with spring carrots it's kind of and is that because our, our palates have just become accustomed to those flavors because they arrive at the same time of year or is it something more kind of you know otherworldly or godly than that i don't know but the bottom line is i absolutely believe that harmony of flavor which is where is instrumental when you're in the business of delivering pleasure is is, is what it's all about and harmony of flavor sits in the same season so i think seasonality is absolutely key so that's where all menus, all food, all dishes come from. Um, I think trying to keep it simple is is important. Keep the cooking processes true to maximizing flavor rather than technical wizardry and, and kind of innovation. You know, the whole movement to lower cooking temperatures, water baths, all that other stuff that came along with the arrival of, you know, Heston and Il Bully and all the molecular gastronomy, a lot of that stuff, you know, I absolutely acknowledge how important that whole movement played in the progression of food. An awful lot of what went on was not in the interest of the of of plates of food packing packing a mighty punch because it was, you know, water baths don't do that. They and but for a period of time chefs got off on a piece of meat being pink 
absolutely from edge to edge rather than being caramelized on the outside and pink in the middle. And um, so I think keeping really focused on, on cooking with a view to eating it is, abs- is absolutely key and, um, and seasonality and, 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 and harmony of flavor. And I suppose the one standout dish that, that we had on the menu at the square, or there was, there was maybe a starter and main course and dessert was the lasagna crab with the cappuccino shellfish and basil. It was actually, it was quite, it was a rich dish, but it was, it was, it was comfort food at its, at its, at its most sophisticated and kind of luxurious. And, and I think, you know, we all, we all have, I think our default setting is to, is to, is to head for comfort food. You know, we all love, whether it's a donut or a lasagna or a bowl of pasta or, you know, we, we all love food that gives us a, that's, that's, that nourishes the soul more than, you know, sophisticated cooking that challenges the brain. It's that, that's, that's where, that's, that's where we go. But when you, when you, when you can produce a dish that, absolutely kind of does does that but is also sophisticated and elegant through through the choice of ingredients you have something special so so that dish was very comforting amazing harmony of flavor but it was also elegant and sophisticated so that kind of ticked all the boxes there was then a lamb dish saddle of lamb with um sort of shallot puree and rosemary that was really about it was just a clever bit of butchery it was a simple thing but it just it gave rise to to a piece of lamb that was you know we all know how good a piece of pink lamb can be but it doesn't it's not every you know it just doesn't often get to those heights because it's either a little bit tough or it's just not quite as good as it could have been but when lamb is absolutely at its best it's 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 special and this dish helped guarantee that the lamb was the way we butchered it and cooked it helped 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 ensure that it was that good and then it was just served with ingredients in a sauce that just just kind of embellished it with with just a little bit more you know goodness and deliciousness it was just a simple thing but it was really all about the lamb but it was just it was it was special um and again you know lamb and rosemary and olive oil and garlic it's i just kind of you know one of the things i know now down you know how many years three or four decades down the line as a chef is that i i still feel that i've i I can be creative even within the realms of classical flavors which is where i operate um but i i never deviate from the flavors that i know work well how you choose to treat them and cook things is, is where the creativity comes in but give me a piece of lamb in the summer i will never put it with a herb other than rosemary because lamb and rosemary and olive oil and garlic and and tomato is the best and so i just don't i don't you know i've be, you, you go on a bit of a journey to 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 come to understand those things but once you get there you think all right well that's it that's maxed out there's just no point in changing the flavor combination it's it is it is it can't get better so you then just tweak you know the the the, the you know the the the, the contents and the way you present it the way you cook it maybe but it's um and then dessert wise we had a, you know we had a cheesecake which i suppose in a way is is um it's the same as the lasagna of crab you know if you not everyone likes desserts you're not eating a dessert because you need the nourishment you know you've really got a belly full of you know food it's pure 
and gratuitous pleasure-seeking desserts. And so, therefore, that's what's what you want to do. And so, don't you know? I've never been into the kind of deconstructing, putting little lines of soil with little cornels of this sorbet, dark chocolate. This that's all just rubbish to me. It's give me a creme brulee, give me a tart tatin, give me a tart, give me a cheesecake, give me a chocolate fondant. Those that's where the pleasure lies. And we just had a particularly good cheesecake recipe that used Briat Sabran, which is a slightly more sophisticated and elegant flavor than, than, than Philadelphia or, you know, the obvious choices that people go to. And it was just, um, we just it had a great recipe, but it was nothing more than a cooked cheesecake just done as well as a cheesecake can be. And um, so I think it's, um, it's, you know, it's staying true as, an, as, as, a, as a chef and an eater in, in equal measure is really important. The Square is one of the most important restaurants in um, modern British history for cuisine. But was it hard for you to let go of it? Listen, when the time when the time came, I you know I opened it when I was twenty three, um, just twenty four maybe actually, and then sold it when you know when when we were when I was fifty. And in that time, you know, you change a lot, you know, in every sense of the word as a, as a, as a chef, as a human being, as a, as a, as an eater. And I just, I just, I loved, you know, it was the most extraordinary journey. And, um, but in the end, as a, as a chef and as an eater, where I'd got to with food was no longer in sync with what we were doing at the square. And so I kind of was falling out of love with, with high end cooking. I just had had enough of the stress that goes with um, worrying about the detail that you that you worry about. Um, and actually, I just as a eater, I just preferred eating simpler things. Other people had, you know, cooking had evolved a lot in that time in 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 in, in the world, but obviously in London and the UK. And and I suppose it had just become clear that um, I just that simpler food is is really special and 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 as a as you know so what i was choosing to eat outside work bore no reflection to what we were cooking at work and i just that that felt odd so i just i just been on been on the journey i got to a point where i kind of thought i kind of just want to want to want to move want to want to move on and um and so it felt it was it was obviously it was a big deal but it was but it but it felt right these days, you um, have your fingers in different pies, as we sort of mentioned at the top of the show, and television's become a big part of your life as well. How different is that sort of world to the real life sort of hospitality, and, and what's it like for you doing all of these different TV shows? Listen, I've done, I, I don't do as much TV as, as, as lots of people, but in, in inevitably, it, it, you know, I do it. It's not where the pleasure lies for me. I do it. Um, I don't dislike doing TV, but it's not. It's not really. It's not really my thing. I've done all sorts of stuff in my career, but it became very obvious to me because of the way that I feel when I'm doing it that my my fulfilment comes from cooking, which is why I've I've always kept always always kept in the kitchen. As long as you go in. And you make the mise en place one day, you get the same joy serving it later that day or the next day. And as long as you keep doing that, the joy will keep coming. And as long as you step out, you break the chain, it, it then just becomes a bit of a, you know, it can become a bit of a grind. And I've done lots of other things, but I, but I, in doing all that stuff, proved to myself that really my fulfillment comes from, from being at the coalface and in the kitchen. So that's really where I've stayed. But... I inevitably have got involved with other things. TV 
keeping bums on seats and keeping restaurants full is obviously super important. Um, and um, TV is still the single most powerful medium through which to kind of to, 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 to get out and get publicity. And so it's just helpful. So that's, that's, that's certainly a, a driving force behind some of it. I like to give back to an industry that's given me a lot. So I say yes to things because it's important to give back. Um, and, 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 and of course there are aspects of it. That's also, you know, great British menu, for example, that, that, uh, that is, that's, that's fun and, and enjoyable. Commercial kitchens are so different to those that you cut your teeth in. What sort of advice do you have for young chefs um, in this era looking to sort of carve their own path? Yeah, I mean, they have, they have changed a, a, a huge amount. And, and it's mostly for the... Um Mostly, mostly for the good, and 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 certainly for the well-being of, of of people. Listen, I wouldn't have changed my journey for anything. I think people, you know, when you, when you go on a journey, you know, you 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 got to give lots. And I think even if you want to achieve great things these days, you still got to give a lot. You might not have to quite work the same hours, but I think I don't know. I feel food is kind of. Um, it's it's back on a more wholesome wholesome place generally speaking you know i certainly speak for for you know for for, the, for london and the uk you know it started off you know old school french then then the whole you know change that we touched on earlier with molecular gastronomy and super uber cr- modern creativity um i think now it's coming back to a more wholesome place driven by um, I think just general learning and what what's 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 delicious, but also by kind of you know the ethics of cooking and air miles and carbon footprint and seasonality and you know, the whole all the planetary issues. Um, and so I think it does come back to to, to, to the important thing is to, is to still get out there and and learn how to learn your craft in a kitchen where a broad range of of cooking techniques are used that are used for the benefit of the ingredient and the and, and the customer, um, and and so learn how to cook, learn how to bake a really lovely wholesome cake, and then how you want to you know ice it is your is your choice. Just but spend time in kitchens, you know, two years two years a shot to really get to feel. Um, and 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 pro- progress within each kitchen before before you move on. But learning your craft is 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 so imp- is so important. Elliston Street is one of the venues that you have these days. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that and what you're doing there. Listen, that kind of came about. You know, when I left the square, I, I certainly didn't feel like I'd kind of wanted to hang up my apron. You know, far from it. I I I, I felt that where I wanted to go with food was different, simpler. Um, I think um, the Square was a certain kind of restaurant. You know, it had a long menu, but it was very kind of shellfish protein. You know, it was heavy. Um, and towards the end of the Square, one of the things that became really clear was how challenging it was in the kitchen to deal with the ever-increasing demands of customers on what they wanted to eat and their dietary preferences were and allergies and, and, and allergens. And that's not being judgmental on them, but it had become really you have a lot of miserable services fighting through um, this imp- imp- important stuff, but the net effect of a dining room of people with 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 dietary preferences to a kitchen is just it's just stressful and it's a headache. And so, a combination of that, where I was as a as an eater, and and also had become as a chef, was to open something that was 
still special. So you want to, I wanted people to walk out and think, God, that was a really special meal. But where the cooking was simpler, um, try and reduce the number of work of, of people in the in the business because it just makes life easier not relying on such big teams to achieve everything and within the menu ensure that you cater for as many people as possible so the choice is there so that you're as as, as um accessible um, as as possible so we always have you know a vegan starter we always have the majority of starters are then vegetarian there's normally one fish and one meat too we then ha- always have at least two vegetarian main courses um we try and avoid in one of the vegetarian dishes having too much or, or any gluten so there's you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't look at the edison street menu and think mm, okay feels feels kind of a bit 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 left wing here and and i don't think you notice anything but the menu the menu is um it's really carefully put together to make sure that it is as accommodating as possible and the net effect is that it's made life much much easier and um um and we can welcome anyone and everyone um without too much stress so that's 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 been a real big change but it was about generally trying to just start again and open a restaurant that felt really relevant for the time and the place um uh, and uh, cooking food that's fundamentally simpler. You've uh, had the most extraordinary impact on so many uh, chefs, but also so many diners as well. But what do you love about what you do? Listen, I think, you know, I, I, I have been rattling around a long time now, and I think I could sort of touched on a minute ago. It is interesting. You know, ultimately, I've kept my life pretty simple. I've, wor- I've worked hard. Uh, you know, I have had a phenomenal run at this this game called cooking and um it's given me a huge amount and i have learned that really what i love is being at the coalface with a team of people cooking great food and 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 not a lot more than that so i've really tried to even though i have done other things i still primarily Edison Street is the one restaurant that has my name above the door so to speak so when I wake up on a on a Monday morning that is where I go to work you know that is my default setting is to go to that one restaurant I get you know get into my whites and 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 get in there and cook that obviously doesn't happen every day because there's lots of other stuff going on and I and I also you know fast heading towards 60 I want to lead a more balanced life but that is still my primary purpose is to get into a kitchen and make sure the menu is in season and cook with the team um, to give pleasure. Well, uh, Phil, it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a part of your story. Um, please keep in touch. We'd love to catch up again soon. Absolutely. It's um, great, great, great to talk. Always great to talk food and it's been a complete pleasure. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au and be well. Be well.